Street. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the A Rough Trade Edit podcast. My guest this week is the delightful Jane Weaver, whose recent album Flock is a Rough Trade album of the month for March. It is the twisted pop jewel in Jane's heavily encrusted musical crown, her 11th album and a collection of songs we feel are very, very possibly the very best she has written to date. Um, I caught up with Jane following the album's release to discuss reaction and reflection where she looks for musical inspiration and the music that influenced the record's multiple styles and sounds. So stay tuned for that coming up a little later on. So since the last show, I am super stoked to say we have announced a reopening date for our stores here in the UK. On Monday, the 12th of April, Rough Trade East, West, Bristol and Nottingham will be open for browsing, buying and just generally basking in the sweet, sweet joy that is being back in a physical record store again. Um, It's been a real good while and we are so, so excited to see customers back in the shops and slowly see our communities taking small steps towards some sort of happier normality. Um, All the details can be found on our blog at blog.roughtrade.com. So yeah, let the countdown commence. So on to new edit highlights this week and first up out this Friday the 19th of March the New Age Steppers were a UK dub collective formed by producer Adrian Sherwood and featuring members of various prominent post-punk groups of the 1970s including Ari Up and Viv Albertine of The Slits, Mark Stewart of The Pop Group, Keith from Pill and Vicky Aspinall of The Raincoats among others. Um, we have some amazing Rough Trade exclusive clear vinyl editions across all five albums as reissued by On New Sound. There are just 500 copies of of each album available so a brilliant chance to own a limited piece of musical history here um also all of the albums are totally amazing so that also helps um and you can check out this track which is taken from their 1981 album action battlefield this is new age steppers and my whole world Next up, and Valerie June, the Roots, Soul and Folk Troubadour from Tennessee is back with another heart-melting collection of songs. New album, The Moon and the Stars, Prescriptions for Dreamers is her most ambitious record to date, sewn together with a strong sense of the American musical tradition and her unmistakable smoky tones. This album has had some incredible reviews these past few days. Um, So I would say if you are a stranger to Valerie's music, make sure you look her up. Expect super effective songs um, stretched across just a really beautiful album. And here is a little taster for you. This is Valerie June and Stay. I don't know how I stay. No, I can't tell you that way. So if you can't believe it, since I did it first. 
So get ready for a mythical voyage across fog-laden, scorched earth terrain from the original friar of dark hip-hop. I am, of course, talking about DJ Muggs, known to most as a member of Cypress Hill and the leader of hip-hop and art collective Soul Assassins. Um, on his new album, Dies Occidendum, recording under the name DJ Muggs the Black Goat, the beatmaker combines ingredients of psych rock and gypsy folk with modern elements of trap, forged together under layers of his signature sonic grime. Um, so yeah, this is wicked. Here's one from the album. This is DJ Muggs and Incantation. Finally, wrapping our edit highlights this week, Israel Nash and new album Topaz. Uh, so Israel Nash conjures weather-worn soundscapes and big Texan skies on this part psychedelic soul, part Southern rock, and part tripped out folk masterpiece. Um, there is something a bit mystical about Israel Nash. His 2018 album Lifted was a real big hit here at Rough Trade. Um, and yeah, I expect no less of a dedicated fandom surrounding this latest album. Here's a big old tune for you. This is the magnificent Israel Nash and Pressure. Banker came on down my gravel. So Jane Weaver is my very special guest on the show this week and I caught up with her to celebrate her wonderful Rough Trade Album of the Month, Flock. Um, I am sure she is no stranger to most of you. Her music and records have floated in and out of many a hot tip and top spot in the years gone by at Rough Trade. So yeah, looking forward to this one for you. Um, as ever, you can find all of the music featured in today's podcast in our edit playlist on Apple Music and of course at roughtrade.com. Um, Spotify listeners, make sure you hit up our counterculture playlist for a one-way ticket to the Rough Trade staff jukebox. Um, if you're enjoying our podcast, please tell all of your friends and or leave us a lovely review on Apple Podcasts. Any support you can give us helps get more of the music you love out to those who might not have discovered it yet. Um, thank you so much for listening. Here is the glorious Jane Weaver. Enjoy and I will catch you in the next one. So Jane Weaver, so great to have you on the Rough Trade Edit podcast. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. And massive congratulations for Flock being um, our Rough Trade album of the month for March. Oh, thank you. Know. Brilliant. Really made up about it. Good. So are we. And it's flying off the racks. It's doing so, so well. <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at the time of recording, um, the album has been out just shy of one week um so how have the last kind of six or seven days been for you and what has the reaction been like so far 
Well, the reaction, the you know, the accumulation of all the press that's been doing all the interviews and stuff over the past over the past month and a bit really it's all coming to a head now and all the you know radio interviews and stuff so it's just like the impact week of everything and it's it's brilliant I, I, I like really you know obviously a few weeks ago just like kind of worried thinking what am I doing putting a record out in in the lockdown when people can't even go into record stores stuff like that and having a, a major panic about it and then just thinking well the most important thing obviously is for people to hear the music and they can still hear the music so so yeah it has been a bit full on this week but I I can't complain really you know it's it's like a joyful thing really and probably the best thing that's happened in lockdown yeah for sure definitely um I mean Flock is your 11th album I think which is so amazing and your career to date has been so wonderfully varied and you know you've explored so many different musical styles I guess where other artists maybe may have chased more of a sort of commercial output should we say you've always been very free to experiment um so I wondered if that was something that was very important to you right back when you first started making music well I think my, my experience was a little bit back to front because when we first started out in a band we got like a, a, a deal through a major label yeah. and had all that, that access to all that major label experience but through an indie so and quite quickly we were we were sort of in, re- in record company jail because we'd recorded an album then our a and got sacked and then we weren't allowed to release the album unless we paid back all the money it took to record it and and it was a hor- horrendous experience but it was good in a way because it helped me understand the way things work yeah. and si- since that point I've preferred to be on the peripheral and on the sort of more outsider of the you know of the indie scope and you know I'm not a massive commercially successful artists have got small successes in my kind of zone and I'm, I'm happy with that and it allows me to continue to be creative in whatever way I want you know so I, I'm, I'm happy to just keep carrying on maybe I would have thrown the towel in a lot earlier if it had more success along the way yeah. um, so I'm happy about it you know and do you feel that that way of working is there kind of less maybe pressure to do certain things in a certain way or you know are you kind of less um, yeah, pressured by other people, I suppose. Do you feel like you've got more freedom to do things your way and at your own pace? Yeah, I mean, I don't record quickly. I spend each album takes two or three years uh, to do. And, you know, you can be doing other things. You can be doing, like, uh, obviously touring, which we haven't been doing. But I, I guess that I, I'm always... The, the, the music is the most important thing and outside pressures aren't really. So it's just concentrating on making sure that the music that comes out of it is representative of how you want people to hear it. You know, that's the, that's the aim, but obviously it's, it's kind of changes now and again. <laughs> you know, there's, there's some regrets along the way, thinking, oh, I wish I'd have done that differently or not rushed it or whatever, but mainly it, just try and take my time doing it. Yeah. So at Rough Trade, many of us have kind of been saying that and agreeing that Flock is the best record that you've ever made. It's certainly one of our favourite records that you've ever made. Do you share any of those feelings or would you kind of say that every album to you is very individual? Yeah, I would say each each album is um, special in its own way to me, you know, like a, 
like a little child or something and then each has its own concept and a way of being made and whatever and sometimes it's not easy but I think because this record is a bit more more individual kind of like in, not individual so more impacting songs I guess more pop style songs so it's not based on a concept in particular like like my other records have been like on other or other artists lives or films or whatever so it is more personal to me so yeah I think it was a deliberate decision to to do that because I hadn't really done that I'd been talking about other people's lives and, and and stuff for a long time and thought well why not just do something more about myself which is more challenging really mm. Do you think it's more accessible maybe in a way to kind of new listeners and people that may not have discovered your music before, that it's more personal? Yeah, and I think that I deliberately tried to make the record, the you know, the songs in there more immediate and more like pop hooks and, and riffs and getting that information over, like for Hartlow, for instance, there's still an experimentation in there, but you've got three minutes 25 and I was trying to make sure I got all the bits I wanted to do, like flute, a bombard, mellotron, you know, all these things that I wanted to be in that song, in and out there within that time. Yeah. So it, it was a, a for, on a production level, on hearing, you know, your sound picture of it, it was kind of a deliberate thing to do that. And hopefully it captures people's attention. I don't know. May, maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe, maybe the people who bought me albums previously won't like it as much. But, you know, you always run that risk, whatever you do. Yeah, of course. Well, I haven't seen any of that feedback from any of the Rough Tree community so far. So I think you're doing good. <laughs> Um, the influences on Flock, um, and I quote here from the press release, are a com complica complicated diet of bygone Lebanese torch songs, 1980s Russian aerobics records and Australian punk. Um, so that is some diet. Um, I absolutely <laughs> love it. Um, when did the kind of writing and creative process for Flock kind of begin and how quickly did you realized that you wanted to kind of fuse and layer those influences onto the album? Well, I think that I just wanted to make sure that there were different styles of pop music on there, regardless of where they're from. So I guess that's why that the, the press release does say that, because it's true. I do listen to Lebanese torch songs. I do listen. I did go down a rabbit hole of like Russian aerobics videos on YouTube. And I do like Australian pop. There's other stuff in there, which is like, you know, like Will Powers and Tom Tom Club and Glam and Prince. And there's also a lot of popular, you know, artists like Hall and Oates who've, who've inspired me along the way. And a lot of unpopular sort of choices as well. So I just wanted to make sure that each song, I just let the song be. So it was like a girl group song, like Heartload to me is more like a girl group guitar song, you know, so I just let that go with that kind of style. Um, stage of the Faces is quite glam and then it's got a bit of a Hall and Oates chorus so I thought well just why not go with that even though it's a bit odd <laughs> so that that was that was kind of the brief in my head that I set myself to just and it's quite an odd thing you know to for me to do that really yeah it's come out so wonderfully um and it's kind of made me think and wonder um where you like to discover music i imagine it's quite a mixture of sources but i would assume record stores maybe friends recommendations the internet <laughs> yeah it's definitely a, a mixture of everything i mean I'm, I'm also married to a record collector who reissues um old records and and you know lost music and unfound music and library music and soundtracks so i've got an abundance of stuff at home that at my feet that i can listen to yeah. you know some of which are like 
some of which you love and some of which you can't stand, but it's just, it's great to, to have that there. I also listen to music digitally on YouTube, I go to record shop, you know, just do, do as much as I can. You know, you can you can hear stuff all the time. Like I was for this record, I was watching a lot of um, like the French director Eric Roma, who's like did a load of films, a, a lot of uh, films. But there's a series of films that he did in the '80s called Comedies and Proverbs, and they're French films, and they're they're sort of romantic comedies, and there's only like four characters in each film. But there was a few sort of disco scenes in them, and I was like Shazam in the music because it was just like this really cute sort of French. French pop from 1983 kind of thing and it was that that to me was like inspiring at the time too so yeah you can get music from all sorts of places yeah how how much would you say you discover or dabble with finding music on social media because I know it's sort of a topic that's kind of entwined a bit in some of the themes on the record yeah social media is really good for sharing information sharing creativity and sharing you know not just music but all sorts of uh, all sources of art you know that you i wouldn't have necessarily come across unless it was like this kind of link to somebody else's world mm. which I, I really do like but then sometimes it is quite overwhelming the information it's it's almost too much and then, you know, you're on your phone until late at night, you're going to bed and then before you go to sleep, you're just like on your phone and it's like, stop, too much information. So I kind of do worry about it. We need a bit of a detox from it, really. But, you know, I, I do use it quite a lot myself. So. Yeah. And I guess it's interesting how that is a platform that's kind of come about um, since, you know, you've launched your career. You know, when you started out, it wasn't, you know, so much of a thing or, or even a tool. And that's kind of developed as your career has developed too do you feel that it's a I mean I guess you just explained there that there are quite a lot of benefits to it but is it very much more of a different world now when you're putting out an album is there a lot more to think about because of things like social media and the wider opportunities on the internet yeah I think there's obviously the the negative side of sharing of social media is all the the sort of fake news element of it and I think that you know things like Facebook and, and people like that need to take more responsibility for the content. Media content is just spiraled out of control absurdly. And it causes, it, it's a right trouble cause, you know, it causes terrible things to happen. It's also good for campaigning for good. And it's also good for raising awareness, but it's the, the dark side of it that, that I think needs to be really controlled. And, um, it's it's definitely more hectic. I mean, remember like years ago putting a putting a record out, it was all like, you know, you used to have to fax things off and wait for replies off people. And then your your press person would give you a, a folder with your press reports in, and it was all quite archaic and manual. And it was kind of, I don't know, it was just it, it just seemed easier, I guess, back then, because now what's expected of you is just you've got to be constantly available to do things. And, you know, I, I understand the way it works and I, I'm quite happy to do that, really, because I think it's it's just you want people to listen to your music and, and that's the way it goes now. You know, that's the way people do things. So you mu must adapt to the times somewhat. Um, so you've got a tour coming up later this year that has been rescheduled, obviously, from the original June dates. Um, hopefully that will all go ahead all being well this summer um i've asked quite a few artists this recently but how are you kind of feeling about 
getting back out on stage after everything that has happened in sort of the last 12 months? I think that, well, I started rehearsing last week with, with some of the band, not all of them yet. We're going to do a band rehearsal on, on kind of Sunday. And it was just like amazing to, to just start playing together again, you know, that kind of vibe and that kind of energy, which you don't get um, from doing stuff remotely or I guess maybe stream stuff. So I, I just really can't wait. And I think I said the other day on Six Music, I said, I reckon I'm just going to probably go on stage and then cry and then go off back up again. Because I think that the, you know, people cheering you in the crowd and people being nice and then you're going on stage and you're creating this energy. I think it will be quite overwhelming. And, you know, I'm quite a one for, for, for taking that energy. So um, I'm sure it's going to be really joyful and unifying and, you know, we'll all feel really positive and we deserve, you know, we all deserve to feel that because of what we've all experienced and there's some horrendous experiences that have, tales that have gone on as well. So within lockdown. So I just, you know, just want to bring joy in some way. <laughs> Do you feel that the industry itself can kind of get back to, I guess normality is a funny word, but back to kind of, you know, the experiences and the joys that we had previous to this pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I do think we've got the double whammy because of Brexit and we can't, um, we don't know about touring outside the UK now. So for musicians who've already feeling, you know, like they're not valued and they're a bit disenfranchised and they don't know what the future holds, it's going to be a rough road back maybe but then as, as a few people said yeah but we'll always be you know about wanting to bounce back and be stage ready <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're always quite good at getting right I'm, I'm back into it now I'm gonna be ready to perform or I'm gonna be ready to do my job or whatever because people are used to having to do things like um you know like when you do a festival for instance and, you, and you've only got a line check and you have to just go on stage and do it it's that kind of thing you yeah. are thrown, you're experienced in being thrown in at the deep end and that that sort of flying by the seat of your pants quite often when you're uh, um in the entertainment industry across the board you know yeah <laughs> that's what that's one thing we're kind of used to but i'm just hoping there will be more of a platform for people to tour and to go outside the UK you know all this coke because of COVID and Brexit really yeah definitely I guess that like what you were describing there that kind of resilience of of music and people that work in this industry is the kind of force that will carry us through and hopefully you know all things being well like this time next year I could be sat here and everything could be wonderful and back to normal to a degree so that that's really good to kind of think of I suppose um, Jane, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Um, you did actually do earlier this week a brilliant Rough Trade live Q&A with us, which was absolutely wonderful. And yeah. that is also going to be um, made into a podcast in the coming weeks. So there will be even more flock chat for fans to get stuck into there. Um, but yes, congratulations again on the record. We absolutely adore it. Um, Hopefully when this goes out, there'll still be some exclusive copies available because I know they're in very short supply, but um, <laughs> we've got some more coming in, I think. So that's good. And people can grab those. Um, but yeah, well, thank you very much. No, thanks. It's been amazing. And, and uh, thanks for this, you know, the, the support. I really enjoyed doing that uh, Q&A the other night. It was good fun. Um, I've not done one of them before, so it was, um, it was good. Yeah.
all the best with this year, all the best with the tour. Um, and could you pick a track off Flock that we could play you out with today? Um, I think the title track really, Flock, um, it was supposed to be the introduction to the album, but it didn't end up going that way. It ended up being in the middle of the album. But so, so yeah, Flock is, is quite, um, I think, a good one to do. Wonderful. Jane, thank you so, so much. And we will see you really, really soon. Thanks very much. Cheers. Reviews and subscriptions help to support what we do, so if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.